0: Welcome to A Quiet Life, I'm Ruth, your host, and it is really great to be with you today. This is episode 133, would you believe, and I'm recording this on June the 1st, Uh, but it won't be out for a while as I do things. You know, I always like to give myself a little bit of space so I'm not just frantically trying to push it all out uh, in a week or so. So anyway, June the 1st, as I record this, which is the first day of winter here in Australia, and... I think we may be one of the very few nations that has our seasons, um, I was trying to get the words out, we have our seasons legislated according to month. So other countries look at the, um, at the seasonal, you know, the equinox and the everything like that and then they build the seasons around that and we don't do that. We just say 1st of June, is the first day of winter nice and simple easy to remember and also I'm rejoicing because it is three weeks until the sun comes back because while I can cope with the uh, the cold of winter like you know you just I have we have a fire and it's nice to have the excuse to light the fire and now that I'm knitting I have lots of knitwear and everything is great but the dark oh the short days And in Tasmania, and I don't know where you're listening, but I have listeners all over the world. So hello. But here in Tassie, uh, because we're 42 degrees south, it is dark in winter. It uh, doesn't get light now until about eight o'clock in the morning, and it gets dark at about four, four thirty. So in the summer, the days are so long and they just stretch out and it's beautiful. But the dark of winter, well, let's just say I take vitamin D tablets and hope that my mood copes with the dark and... um, Yes, it has been suggested to me that I buy one of those lamps that shines the light and, and helps with your seasonal affective disorder, and I haven't done that yet. Uh, but, yes, uh, I look forward to the sun coming back. And uh, the other thing that I think is quite weird about me this winter, the beginning of winter, is that I have been spring cleaning. <laughs> so I have, I have reorganised my office. I have put um, the boxes on the other side of my desk and the filing drawers swapped places with the boxes and you know, cleaning things out and whatever. And that may be due to the fact that uh, partly that we got an ant exterminator to come and get rid of because we have had so many ants in our house. Um they just moved in. Uh so yeah. So the ant exterminator came and so now I feel quite good about um vacuuming behind everything and getting rid of all the little dead ant bodies. Um but yeah it's it's nice. <laughs> it's nice to have a clean uh, rearranged change of office sort of thing it's not a big change it's a small change but it's a nice one so yeah um that's where I'm at right now but anyway you're here to listen to my podcast which uh is today about asking for help and one of the things that made me think about it was the ant man coming because you know we've been fighting these ants by ourselves and we've been trying to get rid of them but this guy he knows ants so well he spent all his professional life thinking about ants and where they come from and why and where they would be in your house and exactly how to lay baits to get rid of them and all that kind of stuff and look I'm quite happy for the ants to exist outside the house and I know they're an important part of biodiversity I just was a little bit sick of having them on every single Windowsill in my house, and also falling through the light into our spare bed. So um, now that's not going to happen anymore, and so you can be quite happy that you won't have ants landing on you in the middle of the night. <laughs> so, yes, I needed to take my courage in both hands and ring up the ant man and ask for help. And I say it like that, and it sounds silly, but I think for a lot of us, it is difficult to ask, even professionals, for help. And so I thought, I'm going to do a podcast about asking for help. This week, the interview is with uh, Christopher Waterhouse because Scotty Haas was away having a wonderful time in Cairns and I'm sure we'll hear about that next time. But this time we had Christopher and it's his last time down here because he's moving to Sydney. So it was really nice to have an interview with him. So let's have a listen to what I had to say to him and what he had to say to me and then we'll unpack it more after the interview.
1: It's time for life hack again with Ruth Amos. Ruth, say good morning, Ruth.
0: Good morning, Christopher.
1: Now, your life hack today concerns getting help.
0: Yes, yes, indeed.
1: Getting help in any sort of sphere.
0: Well, pretty much. You see, I think I think that we can think that because we can do it, we should do it. Oh yeah. And uh, I'm here to say no. Yeah, it's not the. You you know, I work as a writer, and then I work as an editor. So uh, I write my own books. I edit other people's books. You'd think then that as an editor, I'd be able to edit my own books. But I simply cannot do that. That's not how this works. And so I need to stop and say, right, I need help with that. I need someone else to do that for me. Even though I can do it, it's not something that... Well, it's not something I can do because when I read my own work, I read back what I think I've written and not what I've actually written. I
1: often find that if I'm proofreading something I've written, I just can't see my own mistakes.
0: Yeah, indeed. So I so I uh, pay an editor to edit my work, and then I pay a couple of proofreaders to to proofread my work as well. It's important to me. But then I thought this applies to so many other um, stages. Like I don't I don't actually know anyone I think who can't clean a toilet I think we can all clean our own houses it's it's a possibility but there are times in my life where I have paid a cleaner to come in and help me because I needed to be doing other things and yes and you can be beating yourself up about that well I know I can clean my house so I should clean my house because I can't but no, no I think that you know taking taking everything with sober judgment look at yourself and say where, where can I get help to help me through this stage in my oh, life. So. Yeah.
1: Well, it seems so sensible because I think often we spread ourselves terribly thin, don't we, trying to do everything, burning ourselves out in the process and not really doing anything particularly well.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I, I have a story from back when um, my children were younger and uh, Moz was running his own business and I was being a stay-at-home mum and uh, he really hated the paperwork side of things and I'm, as introvert, really not coping well with being with little children all the time realizing that if we'd asked each other for help and if he'd taken the kids away while I did the paperwork everyone would have been happier and healthier <laughs> and what we would we would have still got the work done but we would have been working to our strengths and yeah sometimes when you're asking someone for help what you're doing is giving them an opportunity to work towards their strengths while you work towards your strengths in a different area.
1: That's a really great way of thinking about it too, isn't it? You know, actually asking somebody else for help is giving them the opportunity to be of use, to do the thing that they do. They're probably really going to enjoy it too, I
0: think. And you feel so good when someone asks you for help. Oh, I'm needed and and loved and wanted and yes you shouldn't say yes to every time someone else asks you for help but when we're asking for help, we feel really bad. Oh no! I'm forcing this person to do whatever. They can say no as well, but they might be just as blessed as you are by give, being given the opportunity to give you a hand. What yeah. a great
1: point too to think about it from the perspective of when someone has asked you for help. Because I'm just reflecting on that here and thinking, actually, those are the things I love best when someone says, "Hey, can you help me out with something?" And I think, "Oh yeah, I can be of use here." Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. It makes you feel yeah. It, it makes you feel really good. <laughs> what do you think holds us back
1: from asking for help? Is it pride? Is it?
0: Um, there definitely has to be some of that. Yeah. yeah. But I think there's also just that feeling of um not wanting to be a burden and and then that feeling of of um well we live in a very individualistic society. Mm, yeah. So we think of ourselves not as part of a wider community, but just as a me, myself and I. And and so I should be able to do it all. I should be able to um, look after the family, work the job, clean the house, do the da 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 da, da. me, 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 me because that's that's the advertising that we get. That's what we get fed all the time is you as an individual are important. So we forget that we're part of this larger complex of people and um, and that we're actually built to be in a community. You know, they say it takes a village. And um, I saw some meme the other day that, that said millennials are going, well, where's the village? There isn't a village. Well, part of that is because we're not building it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And by asking other people for help, by being part of that village, by, you know, somebody's got to – as you say, be the humble person, take the first step and just stick their hand up and say, yeah, I could do with some help.
1: Mm. Actually, we can create a culture of that. We all benefit from it, don't we?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's
1: great. What a good life hack. I like that. So We can all do something about that today as well. some point in today, ask someone ask, for some help.
0: Ask for help. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Good.
1: Well, nice to see you, Ruth. And uh, for people who are interested in following some of your other work, of course, you've got your wonderful online presence uh, of your blog and these wonderful conversations that appear from time to time. How can people find out more?
0: If you head over to ruthamos.com.au, you can find the links to the blog and the podcast there. You can sign up to my newsletter and then I'll send you the links out every fortnight. You won't miss a thing.
1: Excellent. Ruth, thank you so much.
0: Thank you. So, yeah, one of the things I want to encourage you today is that you are part of a village. One of my friends... uh, hurt her back quite badly like she's got a bulging disc and it's awful and she can hardly move and everything but she wrote on Facebook the other day that one of the benefits of hurting her back was that she realized that she does have a community around her people who were willing to come in I went in and I did the bare minimum (laughs) I went in and fed the cat and put some sheets up on the clothesline but other people brought her food and other people have done other things for her and she's just had um, people come in and and look after her while she's been just basically flat out unable to move because of her sore back and so it it was good for her to realize that she had this community around her that she didn't really um, think she had she didn't know that when she asked people would be willing to help and uh, I think that we can get so worried about taking advantage of our friends that we, we're unwilling to ask. And yeah, I, I, you know, some people probably do ask for help too much. Some people are probably out there calling out until people get sick of helping out. But I think it's a, a very small minority and you may feel like you're asking for help all the time, but it might be help that somebody's really, really willing to give. And if that's the case, what's the problem? If you need the help and the person you're asking for help is willing to give the help and everyone's boundaries are in place and everyone knows where they stand and you make it clear that you can say no at any time, then I think that's how we're supposed to be, really, isn't it? So yeah, we are part of a community and yes, we are a very individualistic society and so I think we need to start saying, no, let's build the community and maybe the way to build it is not by being the person who does the helping but maybe by being the person who asks for the help probably both probably both and one of the things that i am all about here at a quiet life is about people working to their strengths you do what you do best and i do what i do best and as we mesh together the whole puzzle gets filled everything gets done so, yeah, sometimes we ask for help from people like the Ant-Man who have amazing expertise or a cleaner. I mean, having a cleaner come and clean your house and then when it's something that they love to do, the app cleaner, and she, she was an absolute machine. I could not get over. And she'd clean the house beautifully and then she'd be looking for things to do so she'd start, you know, taking stuff out of drawers and cleaning inside the drawers or cleaning the windows. or Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, when I do my own cleaning, hmm. You know i'm getting getting more done because i've got a nice routine and everything's worked out and i've got um yeah got things worked out which i've probably talked about on another podcast about how now that i'm cleaning for a little bit every day i have the energy to do things like the dusting or giving the oven a wipe out or whatever but uh ann was just just like that anyway she'd do two hours of cleaning and then be looking for more to do she's she was wonderful and yeah, like if that's your expertise and you're not allowed to use it, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, and I follow someone on Instagram too and that's what she does. She volunteers to help people clean out their house and, the, oh, the video I was watching this person had gone into hospital and he knew that his house was a wreck and he didn't know what to do about it and she went in and she just threw out all the rubbish and just cleaned the place up and she's an expert and she did a fantastic job. But for in order for her to get fulfilment doing what she wants to do someone needs to ask for help first. Sometimes we ask for help because we need an expert and we cannot actually do the thing. So um, one of my examples for that is the editing. Like I can't actually edit my own work, even though I am an editor, I can edit other people's, but I can't edit mine. Another another example is uh, I really can't do book cover design. I would love to be able to do my own book cover design. I do not have the chops. I can't do it. And uh, I guess if I went You know, did a whole lot of study about how to proportions and blah blah blah. Might might be getting better, but like I don't even see colors very well, or you know, I'm just I don't have it. I need an expert, and so that's easy. I guess that's an easy way to ask for help when you need the expert, the person who has the expertise that you don't have. Then you you ask for help, and often you pay them. It's fine. I think the harder thing is if you you know you can do the thing, but you don't have the time or or you physically can do the thing. But because of some, maybe because of your neurodivergence, or maybe because of um, your depression or whatever, you just don't mentally have the ability to push yourself to do the thing that you know you can do and you should do. And at that point, yeah, go for it. Ask someone for help and see if they can help you. They might be able to help you by doing it with you. They might be able to help you by body doubling. So one of the things that I do every week is a Uh, writing group and it's kind of a funny group like extroverts don't really understand my writing group (laughs) because what happens is that there's about five or six of us we all uh, meet up together it's at St Luke's Taruna uh, on a Tuesday afternoon at two o'clock and you're very welcome to come but everyone brings their own project and we sit down and we work for an hour and a half, two hours on our own stuff. And so it's not a group where you're discussing writing, it's not a workshopping group, we're not working together on um, reading things aloud and seeing what other people think of it or anything like that. We are literally working on our own projects in silence for an hour and a half or two hours together. But what happens is that you get the work done. And I have heard that the term for that is body doubling. That if you want to do the work and someone else is doing similar work, um, you can sit down and because the two of you are doing it, it sort of gives you that encouragement to keep going on your own work. So maybe there is something that only you can do, but you need a body double to be able to help you do the stuff that you can do. And you can do that in person, like I do in my writing group, or you could do that using an online body double. So you open up a browser and you Skype in or Zoom in or whatever you do, and they're working Uh, away and you're working away and you get you get that mental ability to do the thing that you you know you can do so yeah let's think outside the box a little bit about about who to ask for help or what sort of help we need another thing i've got so many i've got so many ideas here (laughs) i don't know where to start um us think about again if you if you physically have to do the stuff yourself but you need the mental support a support group of some sort. So not just bodily doubling, but maybe um, you're a mum of a new baby, you go to a mother's group. Or if you are a carer of somebody who is ill or disabled, you go to a carer's support group. And having that support around you helps you to do the job that you're doing and just gives you that understanding and buoys you and helps you to get it done. So, again, it's a job that, I mean, no one's suggesting that you farm out the care of your newborn baby (laughs) But having that mother's group where you can come and say I got zero sleep last night because of teething and someone else says I understand how you feel just makes all the difference in the world. You know, it just helps you to, to, to get through. So those sort of support groups are, are a really great idea or you might not want to go to a support group of people going through the same thing as you, but you might need wisdom and and help in that area and then you can go and talk to a wise friend or you can talk to a counselor or you can pay a therapist and talk to a therapist and there's so many ways to access wisdom and even reading books on the subject that you need help with or blogs or oh, I don't know listening to podcasts <laughs> but yeah those sort of things can be that help that you don't even have to have in person you can have through the media And through books and whatever just make sure that that sort of help you're getting is from a wise person and uh and so uh what's that saying in the bible wisdom is found through many counselors like if you're if you're getting your wisdom from the internet then maybe shop around to different areas where you wouldn't normally and just line up what you say and and see what you think or read a book from this sort of Space and then read a book from somebody who might disagree, and then try and find the wisdom between the two. It's just important. Or someone you trust, finding someone you trust. And I find that the wisdom of the elders in the church is often a good place to start. So find a, um, a woman or a man that you can see has lived a good life and who knows something about life, and go and chat to them about maybe what, even what you're reading or what you understand and or what they understand about the situation. So getting wisdom is another way that you can get help. And I remember a while back, back in 2020, for some reason I thought that when I met with my friends because everybody was having a hard time back in 2020 and I knew my friends were going through such a hard time and for me I was like, well, I can't ask them for help um, I just need to go and support them. So I'd have coffee with people. I'd say, how are you? And let me hear what you're going through. And oh, man, that sounds crazy. And have you thought about this and that or or not, if if it wasn't the right time to do that, but just really tried to support my friends, while at the same time, keeping my crinkly smile on and making it look like I had my life altogether, when I really did not. I did not and so what happened to me was that I got burnt out from talking to people all the time because I was pretending to be something I wasn't and when I could go to my friends and yes listen to what they're going through but also share with them what I was going through and say man I need help this is really difficult I'm struggling and I need to be real about that Then having that time with my friends where I'm asking for help and I'm not just saying I'll listen to you and I'll help you, but to actually get help from my friends made all the difference. It was so much less exhausting to ask for help and be real with my friends. And I think that's really, really important. And that's, as we were saying with Christopher, that's where we build the community when we're asking for help and giving help, and you can do that over coffee with a friend and you're starting to build that community. I've been writing my book, Boots That Fit, and we're looking at, in that book, your identity and how you can serve in a way that suits you. But one of the really important things about it is not just how you can be self fulfilled in how life suits you and and doing the things that suit you, but how you can serve others. In a way that suits you, so that you are part of that community, so you're helping others, and the reverse of that is true that others help you in a way that suits them, and so you build that community that way. Christopher was asking about why some people don't ask for help, and after we chatted together on the radio, he continued on that question about why don't people ask for help. And one of the things that we talked about, which goes back to what I was saying about having coffee with my friends, is about how you can build your identity in being the person that is always the helper and you know I'm the person that other people come to for help I'm the one that's the helper and then they are you know the helpies (laughs) I help them they need help and that's who my identity is and that's and that can be seen as 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 absolutely wonderful and selfless service and a generous personality and all that kind of thing but you've got to be and, and it's true It's true. Being helpful to other people is really wonderful. And it's a wonderful way of being in the world. But at some point in your life, seasons change. And I think even if you don't get sick or get busy or get burnt out or get depressed or some other form of mental illness or whatever, you hopefully (laughs) will get old. And I think that at some point during your life, with one of those things happening to you, you're going to have to let go of your identity of being the helper, and become take on the identity of being the person who is helped. And it's a hard transition to make, but it's a healthy transition to make. And uh, I just, if you're in that time, if you're in a season change where uh, I'm thinking uh, I've got a new grandson coming in the next couple of months and so thinking very much about that the change for Michaela from being a full-time worker um, to being at home with a baby is is an extreme change of identity there that she needs to think about um, what she can do to ask for help rather than to be the one doing all the helping all the time. And these season changes come right through our lives and we have to think about what's my identity and is it healthy and do I need to stop and change? Maybe um, ask for help rather than being the person giving the help. And then as I said to Christopher and uh, as i like to share with you, when you ask someone for help, it can be an opportunity for them. And I like that, you know, when you say no to something, you can give somebody else an opportunity to do the thing. When you ask for help, you can give somebody else an opportunity to work to their strengths to see if they can do it. Now, the thing is, sometimes you need to let go of the job and you, because you know how you want it to be done. uh, And if you did it, it would be done that particular way. But when you're asking for help, you've got to give it to somebody else to do and then The important thing is to take your hands off and say, you do it the way that you want to do it, and I will let you do that. And I think that's difficult for some of us who are mothers when we have children in the house, and and part of bringing up children, I think, is bringing them up to be able to contribute to society, and to be able to cook, and to be able to clean, and maybe iron their own clothes if you're an ironing kind of person. And so all of those little bits in the house, caring for the house, I have my expectations and I have my standards. But when I was bringing up my children, who are both now wonderful members of society, but when I was caring for them and teaching them how to take on these jobs in the house, I needed to be willing to let the jobs be done badly. And let's be honest, a four-year-old struggles to vacuum the floor, well, they'd do it badly. I don't even know when I got my kids vacuuming, honestly. Um, <clears throat> but or, or, or cooking a meal, um, Jess did make the first meal for us when she was about four. We were both sick, and we were just in the lounge room. We were just dying, and and she said, "You want me to get you some food?" Yes, please, that would be great. And she went into the kitchen and she cut up some cheese and some banana and some got some cherry tomatoes and some crackers or something like that and put them on a plate and brought them out to us well we were so grateful now if i made that meal on a good day um it wouldn't be much of a meal would it like here yeah, family sit down to the table you get three crackers a uh, half a banana and a bit of cheese you know like it's just not <laughs> it's not it's not your three course brilliance but it was wonderful and I was so grateful to her. And then as, as we go on and we say, right, we want you to learn how to cook a meal. Like for, for us, it was important that our children cooked a meal, especially in their teenage years, that they cooked one meal for the family every week. So that made life really, really easy. You know, Jess would cook a meal. Caleb would cook a meal. Moz would do two. I'd do two. And we'd have takeaway. And there you go. It's easy. It's Because <laughs> deciding what to cook for tea Every day of your life is such a pain. So, anyway, <laughs> that's the way we used to do it. But, yeah, do you expect the pasta to be soggy and sometimes things to be a bit burnt or a bit dry or a bit whatever? Yeah, of course you do. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's part of the deal. Like, you just go with, okay, well, the meal's not exactly beautiful, but I'm going to eat it anyway because somebody else has made it. And any meal that anybody else cooks is a good meal by me. But, yeah, cooking and cleaning and, and anything that you ask somebody else to do, it, you might need to lower your expectations and just be really grateful for the help they give, even though it might not be exactly the way you do it. I mean, what a waste for you to ask somebody else to help you and then you go through and redo the whole thing again. It's insulting to them and it's um, a waste of your time and effort. So, yeah, if you are asking for help, I think one of the things you need to do is accept the help just for what it is just the blessing that it is to have somebody help you. One of the things we we do when we need help, when life gets overwhelming and busy is we buy takeaway food and other people are cooking the meal and we're buying it. And that's another way of accepting help for us to get through. Let me see, look at all my lists. And yeah, I think I've, I've looked at everything. So I, I really think that asking for help and also being willing to give help when you're in, having an opportunity to do that is is part of how we work together as a community and as a, as a group, as a society. And we can become so individualistic that we think we should only get help when we can pay for it, or we should only get help when it's obvious that you're so so busy that you can't afford, you can't afford the time, and you you know you have to then get somebody in to do whatever whatever. But I think there are times um, in everybody's life where asking for help is just something that you need to do and um, giving somebody else the opportunity to do those things for you is just a good thing. It's a good thing. So I encourage you that if you are feeling in any way in need of help this week that you go ahead and ask somebody in your community to give it to you. You might be surprised at um, how lonely you are not how there are people around you like my friend was surprised that there are people around you you do have a community and they are willing to help you out if you really are completely alone and you don't think that there is anyone around you who could give you a hand then I suggest you contact your local church and have a chat to somebody there and I hope that they'll be willing to come meet with you have a coffee and maybe give you a helping hand in what you need to do Anyway, uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether you've uh, explored this idea of asking for help, whether you've had good experiences or bad ones. I'd love to hear the good ones. I'll be willing to hear the bad ones. <laughs> not sure that, what I'll say to them, but I'll try. No, I'll listen. I'd love to hear your experiences with asking for help. So you can email me ruth at ruthamos.com.au. You can find me on Twitter at A Quiet Life Blog, on Facebook at Ruth Amos Author, and I will be chatting to you again next time.